Hello, hello, gossipers. Welcome back to Gossipin', the podcast where we gossip while we sip. This season, we've talked about sugar daddies, toxicity, and even sips and royalty. But today, we've decided we should talk about a serious topic because as much as the ladies love sipping and talking shit, we also love dissecting and discussing social issues. Therefore, the ladies, our special guest, and myself are going to discuss colorism, not only from an American and Latin American perspective, but from a global perspective as well. But before we dive in, ladies, what are we drinking tonight? I am drinking a nice red wine tonight. I don't really like red wine, but you know, we're talking colorism and I want to stray away from the white, you know? So I added some red. I'm diversifying my wine choices. Wow. Wasn't All inclusive. I'm going to keep it pretty clear and in the safe zone, which is where I like to be. So I'm drinking uh, vodka water just to keep it very standard for the night. And keep you drunk. (laughs) That too. I'm drinking a glass of white wine because it's my first day back in the office after vacation and I need it because these people are driving me crazy. So cheers to Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Hello, y'all. It's Jeanette. I'm drinking a Pinot Noir because Noir stands for Black and we love Black people. Cheers. Oh my God. Here we go. I'm being um, for real. Okay. I'm happy. Put on this, why do you put on this voice when you say you're drinking? And then the- I'm drinking. I'm drinking. It's like she's a sex off. Dial in to Adam and Eve to drink Pinot Noir with me. I'm like, just clear your throat, bitch, and say what you're drinking, please. Listen, I want to speak this way, okay? Okay, but you have to do it the whole episode. Oh, God. It's fine. Let's talk about She's going to talk about colorism in her sex voice. Let's talk about color. Let's talk about you and me. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. So before we go over to our special guest, I am drinking a glass of Sauvignon Blanc because, I don't know, Amanda made me feel bad about it. Now I feel like I'm embracing, <laughs> like the colonizer so i don't know no, it's I both, it looks diversifying right like i know. mean listen oh no, it's I, equality you have you equality. have white wine yeah. red wine that's equality we're supposed to work together it's a yeah. point of this yeah i mean sure okay it's a, like south, it's a south african white wine there you go <laughs> you feel better as you guys heard i mentioned that we have a special guest a good friend of mine one that i met actually in college she is a fellow UCF knight um so shout out to UCF and all of our listeners who go there or went there we actually were in the advertising writing and rhetoric major together moved to New York City ended up working in media and she has since decided that she doesn't want to sell her soul to the advertising devil like the rest of us. And she wants to go and, you know, make the world a better place. So cheers to her because the rest of us, we just sold our souls. So introducing my good friend, Joe, who's getting her master's currently in social work from Columbia. Yeah. So we got an IV on this podcast with us y'all like guys we just like uh went up 10 levels by association yeah we we only fucking with smart people on this podcast i love this gassing me up i'll take it (laughs) yeah we're all about that girls so tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive into the podcast Sure. Uh, So I just finished my first year at Columbia. So as Jocelyn said, getting my master's in social work, 
fellow Knight. I'm originally from Venezuela, moved here when I was 15. So I'm first generation immigrant. Love talking about social issues as a social worker is literally like what we do. Happy and excited to be here. We're super excited to have you. Oh, I also forgot to shout out because Vanessa's also a Venezuelan. So hello, my Venezuelan sister. Yes, my sister. (laughs) Sister from another mister. Diving into today's episode, we're going to talk about colorism and all things that have to do with this social issue. So ladies, before I give you the definition, do you know what colorism is? Simple yes or no, and then we can expand upon it. I feel like I have a very basic understanding of what colorism is. We're just- I'm going to go yes. I'm also a yes. Natalie? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Joe, we know you know, because you're smart. Not that we're dumb, we're dumb, Uh, we're not, but (laughs) (laughs) we're just a little, you know, slow sometimes, but we're smart. We're smart women. So the Google textbook definition of colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. So my friends, did that, is that what you were thinking definition was in your head? I wouldn't have ever put it like, I thought it was only like colorism, I guess not only, but yeah, sure. I didn't know it was only a dark skin tone. And I know that sounds stupid, but, um, oh yeah. I thought it like, and I'm thinking honestly, because um, I don't know this firsthand, but I know a lot of people will have like, will make comments like, oh, you're so pasty or, you know, this and that, like within like people make comments about being light skin or like, oh, that's like a light skin thing to say. Right, right. And I know like when I was in Germany, there were like, they were telling us that there's a big um, increase in like tanning and things like that um, because it's like. I don't know, not shameful, but it's like frowned upon, I guess, to be pale and pasty. Um, so I thought it was just like the shade of your color one way or the other. I didn't know it was just darker skin tone. Obviously darker makes sense. And that's where your head goes to number one, first and foremost for just historical purposes. But I also thought it went both ways, kind of like racism, but that's just me. Yeah. I always thought it was like, like, I've always heard, I mean, obviously there's, I guess it is two sides because you hear like darker skin colors aren't represented as like things of beauty but I also hear a lot of talk like where like like I said like oh that's something like or like light skin you would say or like if you're more sensitive you're more like light skin or like I've heard like Joss you've made comments about how like people say you're not black enough and shit like that so yeah that's where I always thought like it was more in like one race within a race hating on the way that you guys look within each other that's what I thought more of what it was think an easy way to think about it or the way that I think about it is like the idea that lighter skin is better than darker skin two things one it it really doesn't go both ways like the definition or the idea of colorism is is that is like the idea that you know even like how maybe like how me and Joss have talked about like even just within the black community like being lighter skin uh a black person or African-American, but lighter skin, like that is sometimes even seen like better uh, than, or not better, but like can come with more privilege than uh, like a darker skin, you know, African-American. Uh, but it's interesting, Jeanette, that you say that about the, you know, white people wanting to tan, because I was actually talking about this with one of my classmates today. Um, and we were saying how, 
it's a little bit of like, it's kind of ironic or hypocritical when you think about like the idea of colorism and then that there are, you know, white people who inherently, and like we, we can go down a whole different route here, but like inherently like, you know, white, white people have white privilege just by being white. And, you know, that is something that sometimes makes, makes white people uncomfortable, but like the idea of like colorism and how it's in cultures, whether, and like affects everyone's life, whether it's like, purposefully or not like it it's something that is embedded in our culture and there are white people who you know want to tan and that kind of comes with like a privilege because you being white you want to be darker um and you have the privilege to say like I can do this but still hold my my position in society I don't know if that makes sense like I'm a white person but I still I want to go and do these things that make me look darker um and I don't know, it's just like a very like interesting like thing that we were talking about and I had never thought about it like that. Um, but when it comes to colorism as itself or as a social issue or whatever, like it definitely is just more from like seeing it as like dark is seen as right. worse. Yeah, no, that, seen, darker seen sense. as like not superior. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. That makes like, total sense. You were saying um, something about how like people white people can do um you know maybe get darker or appear darker and still have the privilege of a white person I'm thinking of like all these girls on Instagram particularly who there's a term for it within our community like our younger uh, younger generation but basically they're like Caucasian girls that well, Blackfish, I think it's what it's called. And oh, yeah. they I've get all before. these sponsorships and all these things. I've um, never heard that. They yeah. call it they call it blackfishing. They've they've mm-hmm. accused Ariana Grande of it as well because she tans. I'm not sure about well. Ariana Grande, but I have seen there's this Australian girl who's like an, an Instagram model and um she she's very well known for it. I think the view actually did a whole so what is on it? it like, what is black fishing? I guess. So basically, it's when a person of Caucasian descent or who looks Caucasian um, will tan, whether it's you know putting on tanner or bronzer mm-hmm. or whatever, will appear darker through filters, makeup, or just tanning. And um, sometimes they will put in like really curly like hair. Maybe it's a weave, or maybe you know whatever it may be. It just it even even the I mean, and honestly, like, I'm not an expert, but it goes into even, like, your body shape, your lips, um, certain It's like, a, that it's are, looking to appear, essentially, um, like, you're, you're black. Also, yeah, Car- yeah, Kardashians, moments. I feel like, it's a great example of that. Yeah, yeah, well, for sure. Of that, for sure. I, would, yeah. I always found that interesting, because I see a lot of that on, like, TikTok and stuff, too. Like, what is... I guess like I guess what's the line in this case is like okay so I feel like if you're doing that you know if you are openly uh you know cultural appropriation because I feel like that ties into it too if you're doing that if you're like inherently trying to act be look like a different race and benefit from it that's where I think the issue is I do sometimes see some people you know just attacking girls for tanning which I mean we all do it like it's not I you know that's where I think sometimes it gets a little tricky uh because it's like yeah if you're benefiting off of this and like the Kardashians is is a good example of it but other people too that kind of 
I think it goes more than just the skin tone. Like I have seen girls yeah. that get hate. People for have gotten mad at other people for yeah. just and there's a lot of people being darker, well, which we're I also think a more great. sensitive generation that right. I think yeah. we and, tend to it, like cancel, try to cancel things more than any other generation. So I think any person who has like common sense and isn't like trying to just cancel someone just for like the hell of it I think you know the difference between a girl who sat out in the sun and and got darker and got darker than someone who who's like is appropriating hairstyles yeah is, is well getting yeah, their body should, should, yeah and here here's, comments. The, here's like oh, how yeah. I how I see it and or how I judge it I don't know if judge is the right word but it's like like people want to tan and there's nothing wrong with that right but I think for me what's important is someone you know who is white or you know light skin and decides to tan like I think it's important for people to be aware of that privilege that they have like I think that that's where the line is for me is like I don't care if you want to tan I don't care if you like you know want to like love Spanish you know, Spanish culture or whatever the case may be, like, you know, like one, yes, like to what Natalie was saying, like when you start benefiting from it, like from wanting to look black or like Latin and you're not, uh, like, yeah, that's one, that's an issue. And two, like if you're not aware of like what you're doing and that how like the privilege that you have and you can't recognize that, like to me that that's, that's a problem, you know? So maybe that's the line. Um, I agree. I also think like I have a, a quick uh, quote, I guess, that I found online and it's it describes how colorism is like a second system within discrimination. So it says colorism lies within the second system of discrimination. Those of African descent can experience discrimination because of their race and ethnicity. That's the first system. But the outcome of the discrimination will differ dramatically by the skin tone, the second system. He then goes on to say, moreover, colorism can operate in both interracial and interracial terms, meaning that it can be seen in a racial group to a member of their own race or amongst their own differences in color. So I think like that kind of ties into how people who are, I guess, are Caucasian or or whatnot, you can you can go back to being like paler. Right. But if you're like me and you're black in your tan, like, and I'm on the lighter skin side, there's a certain level of even inter, is it, is it inter that I'm using? I just want to make sure I'm using it right. I think it's inter discrimination between the black community. We could talk, talk about that um, in itself of being light skin versus being dark skin. And I openly acknowledge that there's a certain level of privilege that I have because I'm a light skin, like fair skin, black woman who has light eyes, like get it all the time. People always think that I'm mixed and I'm like, no, my mom and my dad are black actually. So, you know, like there's, there's that. And I think that kind of like plays into what you guys are talking about as well, because I don't think like if you are, if you are fair skin, I think it's different because like, I don't think you're going to discriminate against someone who's like a little bit tanner than you versus someone. I mean, who am I to say that you could, I could be wrong, but who's like maybe Italian and they get a little bit darker versus someone who's like German and they're pale as fuck. You know what I mean? And I'm just using those two as examples because we were talking about Germany earlier and Ariana Grande. That's literally why I made those comparisons. She's just defense. She's just like, no one come for Ariana Grande. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, some of the claims they've made against Ariana Grande, I'm like, I love that's why sometimes it's hard, you know, because it's like, sometimes if you don't like a person, obviously it's easier to make that stance. But if you do like the person, it's like easier to defend them, depending on obviously depending on what they do. But I think this whole, I mean, it's definitely something to pay attention to and to, and to learn about, which is obviously why we're having this, this discussion. Cause I feel like people don't even know the difference between colorism and and racism. I mean, Mm -hmm. I really thought that they were very, which they are similar to an extent, but it goes even deeper than that. But you just have to acknowledge kind of what that means for you and your ethnicity and moving forward and how you treat people. I do want to say something to what Nat- Natalie said about like colorism and racism. Like colorism is part of racism, um, but I do want to be careful with how we use the word racism just because like this is something that I just recently learned in school. Um, and like the concept of racism isn't just like being like discriminated or being Prejust, prejust, prejustice. I always say it wrong. Prejudice, 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 bias. Almost like, yeah. It's okay. I was teaching my director how to say continuity today. (laughs) (laughs) This is when you can tell I like English is not my first. I couldn't Uh, say prejudice earlier though, and English is my only language, so I don't have an excuse. Uh, yeah, prejudice, pred okay biased uh you know what I mean um towards like someone or a race like racism is more of like it's a system it's like the system that continues to oppress people of color so that's why like at one point I thought that you could be racist towards white people like white people don't experience racism they experience pre prejudicism prejudice prejudicism like you can be prejudiced towards a white person but not they don't experience racism because racism is a larger like it's this it's like system systemic issue yeah it's like it's just systemic as far as well as cultural it's not just so that's why like the system doesn't the system benefits white people it doesn't benefit people of color so that's why only people of color are really the people who experience racism so colorism plays a part into that right where like it plays a direct part like people who are darker right are seen as less equals the people who are being oppressed whereas lighter skin have more privilege so it ties into racism um, but they're not necessarily the same um, but they definitely are intertwined but I no, think that's I just so like- important because I feel like it's ever since I don't want to say ever since but I feel like it's become a more topic of conversation to say oh like I'm white like now people are being racist towards me or I'm experienced this like da 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 and you're just like I understand how you're uncomfortable, but how do you think decades and hundreds of years of other individuals who have felt uncomfortable? Yeah. Um, jokes, conversations, systemic issues, like be, not being able to buy a property in a certain neighborhood because of your skin color. And it's, I think it's one of those things that it has to be more of a topic of conversation amongst people because it's not okay to say, oh, you're being racist towards me. It's like, no, you're just uncomfortable being uncomfortable. That's what it is. Yeah. I also yeah. think it's fascinating that we're what like in our mid-20s we've all we're all women of higher education and we all come from different backgrounds like different schools some of us went to private schools some of us went to public schools some of us went to school outside of this country and I don't know if I speak for everyone but I to my understanding like racism was towards any race right um so it's interesting for you to put it in that perspective and it's curious to think 
why they don't teach it that way. You know what I mean? Like when you're in your eighth grade, whenever fifth grade, whatever class you're learning your history about the very first time that you're introduced to slavery, because that's a part of our history in our country. And, um, you know, they talk about racism, they talk about history, but there's, there's really no definitive line where they just explain it as easily and as quickly as you just did, where it's like, hey, racism is a system. Um, you can't be racist towards someone who's not a person of color, period. Play, literally, where's the definition on any textbook that can just say that? Because people grow up, they go to school, they go to high school, college, whatever, and we're all out of school now. We all have degrees. And it's like, I don't know. Yeah, we're I still learning. know that. Yeah, and it's that. and it and it's more than just like the system. It's like beliefs, right? Like mm-hmm. it's right. like when when and it and then that's why when someone's like, "Well, I'm not racist," and then at now I'm like, "Well, yeah, we all are a little racist because we were we grew up in a racist society. Like we were." taught and conditioned to think certain things about certain people we were taught and conditioned to be scared of you know black people or you know in the 90s people were were you know thought that the the drug the war on drugs you know what was that it was just to target people of color like oh so we send people we send you know black and brown people to jail for weed but then you know white people are doing other drugs and that's cool so you know so it's it's like we we really have to actively continue to question ourselves and question what we do to really like say wait like is this um is this like me being like is this a belief that I was taught and I'm being it's like racist or you know is it not you know and it it, it just it like you said Jocelyn it does make people uncomfortable and especially white people because it comes with guilt right um but it 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 is racism within itself. It is a bigger, it's more pervasive, I guess is a word, more like in your face. It's like beliefs, systems, like more no, than- No, yeah, it's definitely multifaceted. Like it's not just like a one layered thing where it's like, it's a system. Like uh, there's definitely more to it. And I don't want to diverge from the main conversation, which is colorism, but you like triggered a thought in me. Um, when you tell someone of, caucus descent from the caucus caucus. Um, (laughs) and you say hey like whatever like let's say we're just trying to explain this conversation we're having to them in a normal scenario right the feedback or the rebuttal that I usually will hear or have heard uh or overheard is well you know like this this happened before me like I wasn't a slaveholder like this was before my time like why are you holding this against me right and so that in of itself should tell you that the person hasn't come to the realization that not acknowledging their privilege is a part of the problem and that's all I wanted to say no it is and I, I don't think that this is like too far off from what we were talking about and I actually told Jocelyn like I know that we can go in like many yeah, different routes. Yeah, she was routes. like, this could go so many different ways. Yeah, so many like... different ways. Yeah. And I do think it, it does tie back to colorism. And I think it is still important to talk about um, because, again, it all ties in together. And you're right. Like one of the main things to really like, yeah, these are things that happened years ago. Like we don't have slaves anymore, but we still see discrimination. We still see re- racism in today's age. So we can't just turn our eyes or turn away and act like it's not happening like you need to acknowledge it 
And I mean, like things like Jim Crow and stuff like that, they weren't like that long ago. Like my grandma, who's like 75, lived in like Mississippi in segregation in like the 40s, you know what I mean? So like, it's definitely um, not that far removed from, you know, this generation. Um, So I think it's definitely something to be cognizant of. But I think we were talking about like where, well, we weren't talking about it, but I'm going to pivot us there. So you're probably thinking if you're a listener right now, where colorism stems from, um, but it stems from the system that was put in place by the white man. So for Shocker. Lack of- for lack of better words. Isn't that always the case? So when you think of, and and when I think of the white man, I don't think like of the typical like American frat boy. I'm talking about like 1700s, like conquistadors um, from England, Portugal, Belgium, um, Spain. We got a whole continent, Spain, they got y'all. Um, and as Amanda covers her eyes, yeah, I can track my history to there. Yeah. And, um, and even Africa, I mean, at one point they literally split up the continent and they were like, you get this tribe, you get this tribe, you get this tribe. And even it goes into Asia. I mean, Filipinos, Malaysians, like a lot of Filipinos tend to have, um, like Spanish or Spanish descendant last names because they were also conquered by the Spaniards. Spain was just all over the world, you know? So I just wanted to put that out there that if you were wondering where this stems from, it stems from the white man in Europe because they conquered us all, including us black people, us Hispanic people, us all. And and they also were the ones who came up with the, the race, the term race, which like I also f- forget or um, not forget, but you know, like race is something that was made up by colonizers. It's not, you know, white, like you are white, you are black. That's something that was, uh, I forget the term, cult- not culturally made, but that was something that was made up. <clears throat> race was, it's a made up thing. By- well, they instilled that in us. So, you know, like I, so you're Venezuelan, Vanessa's Venezuelan, I'm Colombian. Um, when I learned about race in Colombia, not in America, um, they teach you that there's different colors of people, right? So mulatto or mulato is going to be the person that's black and white. Um, your negro is the person that's black and that's not racist. That's just the name of the color. Don't scream at me. Um, Jesus, um, you have um, your indígenas, which are going to be your indigenous people, but these are all things. And then mestizos is the person that's indigenous and white. Um, and then, I mean, you oh, I didn't even know there was see, a name for that one. Yeah, you have to see a chart. There's way more names. I'm missing like at least five more names because then you have your mixes between all the mixes that I just labeled, right? So it's kind of like it trickles down. And then they would count like, you know, you're one fourth this and you're da, 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 da. And to this day, we still hear that. I don't like raise your hand if you've never heard someone say, oh, I'm I'm half Italian and, you know, two quarters Nigerian and this and that. Like, it's just like you're just a fucking human being. And that's my opinion. Um, but I agree. It's something that is like 
I feel like we're just constantly put in boxes. I specifically in the United States of America, I haven't had experiences living in any other country, so I can't speak for that, but it's constantly from the census to like what you're taught in school. Colorism, I think is, I agree, racism was created by the white person, therefore colorism stems from that. But it's like, it's very unnecessary. I honestly, I, I don't know where the end goal would be. I think it would take thousands of generations for us to unlearn this behavior. That took thousands of years to instill, yeah. Um, so some examples of colorism I thought were interesting. The first one Joe actually brought up, and honestly, I should have thought about this sooner because people love to fetishize, I, don't, I can't even say the word, Black mixed babies. So like being um, Hispanic and Black, oh, will the baby be light? Will they have green eyes? Or will white and Black, like people love to be like, oh my God, I can't wait to have mixed babies. And I'm like, why can't you just like have a cute kid and just shut the fuck up? Like, why does this have to be? I, I knew so many people like that, like in high school. And it's just like, it was I'm not that it wasn't a thing, but it like, it wasn't, you know, like you heard that and it was just like, okay, cool. Like that's strange, but fine, whatever, I guess. And it's like to put it in these terms of like, no, that's like a fetish or you're like glamorizing, not even the fact of having a child, but having a specific looking child is like how deep rooted is that in, you know, just messed up culture and history. And it's like, it was just a normal thing that now you are a normal thing in quotation marks that you think back and it's like, no, this is actually the deep root of this is fucked up. It's yeah. weird. And it's, it's more <laughs> like how many times you hear that. And then versus how many times you're like, do you, you hear people saying that about like a, you know, darker skin African-American couple, you know, those are beautiful babies too. And you don't hear be, people being like, Oh, you know, as much, you know, it's like people are, it's, it's just the idea that, being a lighter skin or lighter eyes will be more beautiful, you know? And that's, that, I mean, that, that's like what you're saying, Natalie, is like, we're kind of conditioned to think that like blonde is prettier, lighter eyes is prettier, green, blue eyes. And my boyfriend calls me out on this all the time. He's like, what is your obsession with green and blue eyes? And I'm like, yeah, I know you're right. It's really bad. And it's because, you know, I've been, everyone has always said that to me, like, blonde girls that are green and blue eyes are prettier (laughs) or even how beyond that like how we're conditioned even within like our parents or our relatives right like I remember growing up as a kid being like oh you can't get married to a black man like the hair is gonna come out bad oh the skin oh this it's like you have to get married to a white person because we want lighter eyes on this side of the family or it's like we have to keep these genes alive and I'm just like why can't I just love someone for who they are? Right. And it's just like years and years of conditioning that came from like even Latin American countries. Right. And I was just reading this article, total side note of a famous baseball player, Sammy Sosa. And he came out and he was doing a conference or something and no one recognized him. He's been bleaching his skin for the past 10 years. And this was a famous, famous baseball player. I think, I believe he's Cuban or Dominican. I don't remember. He's Dominican. Dominican? Dominican. I might have the one, yeah. Yeah. And he's a famous baseball player. 
And now you can't even recognize it because he's been bleaching his skin because people weren't taking him seriously. As I baseball. saw the pictures. He looks wild. It's That's so crazy because baseball, like they call it the American pastime, but it's like so a Latin or like international sport. Hispanic, go down to Miami. They all play baseball. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's black. They play baseball. It's no big deal. No, so it's just like even that, like we're conditioned and it's generations. I'm speaking more specifically within like the Latin oh, yeah. community. But it's like years of generations of things that like our parents or like my grandparents have heard. Like my dad and Jocelyn would always joke about this. And she was like, is your dad indigenous? Because he gets. Oh, my God. Because your dad, he gets he his skin when he tans, he gets so like dark. Like I don't even know how it's he gets darker, but it's like an olive. Yeah. Like like very like indigenous looking. It's not like how when I get darker, like I just get black, like. I mean, not really, but like, yeah, I still, I get dark like as fuck. His is like very, like an olive kind of color. And it's like very interesting. And I'm like, is your dad indigenous? Like- and I asked my dad, I was like, dad, we have to have some ancestry there. Like my hair is dark. My hair is very pin straight. And my dad's like, no, are you kidding? Absolutely not. We're Spaniards. Spaniards. And then we have family right now visiting from Venezuela. And I brought it up as a conversation. And I was like, so we're indigenous, right? Because this is like the uncle who's like definitely caring more about the lineage and things like that. He's like, of course, we come from this tribe. And he went into detail mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, hmm. Even yeah. Vanessa, your face features, you got a little like- Yeah, bro. In there. And like, who slept with who? I need the tea. Who slept with who? Who went off? Found who went out? <laughs> the tea is piping. But yeah, so it goes back to that. It's just like generations of being like, no, I'm not this person. No, like, no, you have to fix the race. Like, no, you can't have this type of hair. You can't have this type of skin. Mm-hmm. But it's like years of unlearning that even I had this friend who's Dominican and like her and I were talking and she was like, I just came to terms with the fact that I'm black. And I'm like, I like, I honestly though, like, like embarrassing as it is to say, like, I was like, what do you mean? you're Dominican. And like, and then it hit me. I was like, yo, yeah. <laughs> it's, it be Dominican, but still be black. Well, like, yeah, and like, we say things like, like, it's not, it wasn't like, I know that because like, there's so many, like Cubans are so diversified. Every Spanish country has everything under the sun from palest white to black is black. But like, especially, I mean, and I can only speak for like my culture and like the Caribbean, like we don't like to say we're anything, but the one, the place we come from, like, like we're Cuban we're not like white, we're not black. Like, and I remember when I was a kid, like my, I was like somewhere, I was with like a family function. I have this uncle, he was like married in and he's black. Like he's a black Cuban. And they were saying this like black joke. And like, I'm like, hello, like he's right there. And he's like, don't worry mama, I'm not black, I'm Cuban. And I'm like, but you're, and like ever since, and I just thought like, okay, like that's what, that's what that is. Like, he's not black. He's Cuban. She's not black. She's Dominican. And it took like, she was like, no, like I just came to terms with the fact that like, I am a black Dominican. And it was like earth shattering. Like I was like, wow, girl. I- oh, it, it's so like, it's so common though. Like I, I had a similar experience in college. Like one of my good friends was dating a Dominican and she's like, well, cause he's black. And I'm like, what do you mean? Miguel is, he's, he's Dominican. And she's like, he's black he's black dominican and i was like kind of how you said i'm like like just like and i'm like uh yeah you're right for a second because i'm like yeah obviously how did i not yeah 
and and it's because I think like you you we you know we talk about like oh we're Cuban or we're Dominican or we're Venezuelan like as that's our race and that's not a race that's an ethnicity it's different right so that's that's like why that comes and also like because there's so much racism in Latin American culture still like people don't want to like Dominican Caribbean people don't want to say oh I'm black and it's and it's sad to say but like yeah they you know like it's it you know, they want to say I'm Cuban or I'm, you know, I'm uh, Dominican. I am any from anywhere else rather than than like say I'm I'm black Dominican. But I think it's very like it's a great and empowering that like your friend actually did come to terms or like is accepting that because I think that, you know, she must have grown up as a lot of people do with their families being like, no, you're oh, not. Yeah, you're you're, you're Cuban. Her mom's like, no, we're not. Quick fun fact, there are approximately 150 million people of African descent in Latin America, which represents about one third of the total population. So, and they're, so, they're descendants I, of slaves, essentially. And well, yes, yeah, I so. think that what you both, Amanda and Joanna, were speaking about, um, the ignorance of knowing that there is more than just your nationality is detrimental because we have so as as i guess i guess we're expats <laughs> right <laughs> we're, technically some of us might consider ourselves expats some of us might not um but i think like if you're an immigrant in this country right we're all american that aside you if you identify with any other nationality aside from american particularly within Latin America, uh, I would say, you know, like we are in a certain way ambassadors of that country, right? Everyone you meet, they're going to be like, where are you from? And you're going to say, oh, you know, like I was born in Miami, but I'm Cuban or, you know, I was born in Canada, but I'm Venezuelan or whatever. You're going to have your butts, right? Or your, your little commas where you kind of put in because you're raised that way to be proud of your heritage, your flag, your country music, et cetera. But in us not explaining to people, hey, listen, like, I know, what was it? Was it the Breakfast Club, like, two years ago that they literally figured out that Afro-Latino means that you're African and Latino? They literally had this whole show because they thought that Afro-Latino means someone that's Black American, so half Black American, half Latino, right? So, like, me and a Black man having a child, they thought that was Afro-Latino. They did not know that there's black Latinos, right? And so I think it's important for us to, if we know that, explain that to people, not just out of a win, but if the conversation comes up. Also, I think a lot of times too, people that aren't aware that there's races within Latin America um, categorize all of us as Mexican, right? And so I know a lot of people get offended because of that. I don't really care. I think it comes more to like the educational part, right? So like even you can have black Mexicans, you can have mm-hmm. Asian Mexicans, you can have white Mexicans, you can have any mixed kind of Mexicans, right? Um but Mexican is not a race. And so I think that it's important to say there's other countries in the world. I think we're very just I don't know, as Americans, the education system raises us to think that nothing else exists besides our borders. Like America's the only country that had slavery. America's the only country that had 
all these historical and like socioeconomical problems. And that's not true. And I think that it's important to speak about these things because we'll perpetuate ignorance until we bring up just, I don't know, knowledge and awareness to the issue. Well, I have another fun fact. It's not really a fun fact, but since we've brought up Dominican so much, um, unfortunately, I don't have a Dominican friend to bring on the show. Um, so this may get us canceled in the Dominican community, but I found a ton of information on colorism in the Dominican community because it seems to be a very big issue there. For example, since we're on Latin America or the Caribbean, we'll talk about the Caribbean now. Um, I read that the preference for whiteness and erasure of black identity in the DR um, has pushed many Dominicans to reject their blackness for the sake of social status, which is usually where colorism is rooted from as well. Like even in the black community, um, lighter skinned black people are seen as being uh, more wealthy or more educated, or I'm sure it's probably similar in um, Asian Hispanic community, but it's definitely colorism is also rooted in social status. And then this person also went on to say that the beauty standards in Dominican Republic also reflect the preference for proximity to whiteness. Um, so through features such as straight hair and narrow nose, um, Dominicans commonly referred to as African features, kinky hair, wide nose as bad or, or not ordinary. And then um, I also read that there was a successor by Joaquin Balaguer, I can't say it, um, Balaguer, um, who gained power in 1966. And he made that the DR was a Caucasian Western nation, despite the prominence of black and mixed races in the country's population. And then they went on to provide a stat that it's about 84% black or mixed race. So the DR is very mixed. Um, yeah, they, they, I mean, we forget. And Jenna, you brought a, a really good point of like, they teach that slavery. It's like funny that like, people think like slavery just, what you just said that slavery just happened in America. I like, hap that happened with my boyfriend and I had this whole conversation because he's like, well, it didn't happen anywhere else. Like it happened in America. And I'm like, uh, excuse me. It was even worse in the Caribbean. The Caribbean had a lot of slate, like, you know, like they died at like 12, 13 and they just kept bringing them. Like it was the sugar canes, uh, the, the big fields. I forget. I'm butchering this, but like, there was a lot, I would say maybe even more in Brazil too. Brazil was like the number one place in America where there was slave trade. So yeah, there's a lot of like a lot of more dense African uh, roots in these, in other countries that isn't um, the United States. And it's very, very heavy in the Caribbean, in Jamaica, ha uh, Haiti, uh, the Dominican. Um, so, yeah. Wait, sorry, Vanessa just shared a fun fact. It's not really fun, but it's a fact that I wasn't aware of. I thought it was the 1860s. Vanessa is saying that slavery became illegal in Brazil in the 1960s. By that's, paper. Yeah. That's very recent. Like, and there's a whole community. I don't know if you guys have seen this show. It's on Netflix. Actually, I recommend it to everyone. It's called Street Food Latin America. 
and oh, they'll go. Yeah. I saw that. They go to different, um, and it's not always the capital of a country. It's they did every single country in Latin America except for Venezuela, which is understandable. Like Venezuela's a mess, but um, they go to this city in Brazil, and ninety five percent of the population there is black, and a lot of the music it's all from African descent and the tribal, and they literally go into how all the food is not what people think they're eating in Rio for example, where it's a little bit more white. For So when they go to this community, it's all very foods from like different tribes on like the Eastern coast of Africa, because that's where they were transported to in Brazil. It's actually a really interesting, they look at it from the aspect of food and music, but just to, for you to see like a whole, like 95% of a population for you to say it's black in Brazil is insane to think like about. a lot of religions like everyone like always likes to book fun like Santeria or whatever like mm-hmm. that was brought into Cuba because of the slave trade and like a lot of our music is very like percussion heavy like with bongos and stuff like that like and it's like still very much in like our culture today and like it's become so infused because the slave owners wouldn't let their slaves practice their religion that like for a while as I was growing up, like I couldn't tell the difference between like Catholicism and Santeria because like they had code names for their gods as like our saints. And they would kind of just like, so that that. they they can talk about it without like talking about it, you know? And so like for the longest time, like I did not understand the difference between it. And like, it took me a really long time to like, my dad had to be like, okay, no, like this is why like, you know, slavery and whatever. And like, it's crazy how you're like, it's such a horrible thing, but I'm like, there's so many beautiful things that came out of it. Like that culture was spread around the world. And it's like kind of ironic that like, okay, you can hate them, but like you're jamming to their music. And like, you know, you're like, I don't know, like that's just just funny to me. And like, I hate that that was a thing, but like, I love that I have this piece of like culture that like I now identify as Cuban, but like has so much deeper roots to something else. It's like. I think the biggest thing is when people realize how intertwined all of our cultures backgrounds ethnicities countries are I think like I feel like like it was kind of like Jeanette said right that uh growing up it was all about like borders and who conquered who who won who beat who who was like the high like there was always kind of like this competition yeah there's okay there's always like this competition (laughs) aspect of history and at the end of the day you had to pretty much leave school thinking like America was number one, that this, you know, the superior race was, um, you know, predominantly Caucasian people. And that was just kind of what we were taught. And obviously growing up, you wouldn't think anything of it of like, oh, wait, that's actually pretty dark because I don't look like those people, but I live here where they live here. So we must be all on the same page. But you know, so many people now are realizing like, oh, this music that I like, this food that I eat, the way that I dress is so deep rooted in a culture that's not even mine or that I never even, you know, learn more about or accept it as part of mine. So it's just so interesting now that people are finally like opening their eyes of like, where did these things come from? You know, think about the things that you enjoy about I guess I would just say like America in general of like all the different cultures that we have here and the different types of people we have here and think about what that's rooted from. And it's, it's crazy, the history of it all. Well, I know we've gone in on the, not gone in, but we've touched a lot on the Latin community, obviously, because I'm the only one that's non-Hispanic here, um, which has been great because a lot of, um, 
Latin American roots are also rooted in like, you know, slavery and like African-American, no, not African-American, but African heritage and whatnot as well. So it all kind of ties in together, but I also wanted to shed some light on our Far East friends. By Far East, I mean Asian. Um, They also experience um, a great deal of colorism in their community as well, specifically if you're in um, Southeast Asia, so like the Philippines, Indonesians, um, Malaysians, because since they're closer to the border, not border, uh, equator, and dark, tend to have darker skin, um, similar to, I would say, African, um, because we didn't get to that example, but in African cultures as well, like traditional Africa, not African-Americans, a lot of um, your status and whatnot is rooted in how light you are. So nor, more northern um, Asian countries like Korea, Japan, even parts of China, they tend to see themselves as more superior than Filipinos or Malaysians or Indonesians, just simply based on the color of their skin, as well as a lot of these northern Asian, I don't, I think that's the right geographical term, like Koreans and whatnot, they're also very big on like bleaching their skin and whatnot. Um, So I did want to stem touch on that because that leads me into my next point that bleaching, the bleaching, the skin bleaching industry is currently valued at $8.6 billion. And it is projected to reach $12.3 billion by 2027. It's 2021. So we're like six years away. I, I thought that went out the door with Michael Jackson. I did not know people are still. I mean, Sammy Sosa, he's still bleaching. I, I have Sierra, a, I think is Sierra. Sierra the singer? Yes. Wait, I thought Michael Jackson had vitiligo. Are you crazy? He, he had vitiligo and he no, tried to even out. He his, tried to even it out, which is why. He tried to even it out. He also had a wealth of other like mental health issues, I think, alongside with body we dysmorphia. All know. But um, yeah, he. I think his was more than just trying to like bleach his skin. Um, but there are a ton of people. I mean, I personally don't know anyone in my family who's attempted to bleach their skin. The only time I've used anything that had any like skin bleaching, uh, I guess, ingredients was because I get hyperpigmentation around my bikini line because I'm black and, you know, kinky hair down there. So you get ingrowns. So I try to use some carrot bar soap that it tends to be more natural, I guess, but it can lighten your skin, but that's the only area. I mean, I guess I'm contributing to the problem, but sorry, I meant little Kim for little Kim. I was um, like Sierra. I think you were clarifying. I was like Sierra. I was like I literally am on Google right now because no, I'm like no, she's. It's, how do you mix the two? Oh, One's a rapper. I don't know. It's little Kim, but I so that I was trying to make a point. I have heard, and I want to make very clear that these are not my allegations. These are things that I've heard specifically from one person in particular that I used to work with in the past. I no longer work with them, but they were from Asian descent or are, I think they're still alive. Um, (laughs) Don't have contact with them anymore. Hope they're doing okay in life. Um, So this man was Japanese and uh, 
Korean, but I'm not sure. Um, definitely Japanese because he claimed that on his mom's side. Uh, but I have heard from this man specifically call darker Asians dirty Asians. Like he, and I don't know if this is just me, but there's this, the way he explained it to me, and I'm not going to go into the explanations, but it's obviously something that's stuck with me for so long because I can't even tell you this man's name. And I know that he pretty much said like, oh, just how you guys don't like to be compared to Mexicans. And I'm like, that's offensive in and of itself because you can't just be out here calling Mexicans dirty. That's just wrong. Um, anyway, Joe Space. <laughs> basically, he, he, the way that he explained this to me was, he said, you know, that they're the way that you break down Asians in his mind. I don't know if anybody else's mind, but is basically like you have your clean Asians and then you have your dirty Asians. Um, and I thought he was just being stupid up until I heard um, what's this girl? She's a comedian on Netflix. She was pregnant. She, she does stand up. Allie Wong. Allie Wong. Thank you. She talks about how her and her husband, they're like, she brought that up and like I watched her stand up many years ago it's in passing it's very quick so you probably can't pick it up um but it's obviously I picked it up because I had heard it again and I was like oh my god this is actually a thing she brought up how I don't I, I don't know where she's from or her family's from but her and her husband I guess like have different uh Asian backgrounds and so she talks she says something along the lines of like oh you know one of us is a dirty Asian or whatever and it's insane that just because you're darker. And I mean, it's not like we're talking about like, you know, a difference between someone who's like pale, you know, very, very white to someone who's very, very dark black. We're talking about just literally the, the tones of the skin, right? At least in my perspective. A couple of shades. Yeah. I, I mean, in, in my opinion, I'm not like a, a shade expert, but I'm just saying it's, it's, it's not that vast of a difference in my opinion. And and for just being a couple shades darker, you're considered dirty. Dirty. Um, and I, or I poor, don't know. Or... I don't know if there's more to it. I don't know if it's socioeconomic. Gonna... I don't know if it's because you know their culture or like I don't know if there's more to it. But I'm assuming well, Vanessa there is. wants to get to it. So Go there's ahead. a there's a cultural reason to it. So I work in multicultural research, right? So I literally do this for a living. And we're pitching a skincare line right now and they want to, cause they want to target multicultural audiences. So black, Hispanic, Asian. And from the research that we're finding the, in the segments that use sunscreen the most out of all those three races are Asian. And we were just like, well, why is it Asian? Like why is sunscreen so big for them? So we reached out to one of our endemic partners who just focuses on Asian media. And we usually like collaborate on like research, whatever, whatever. And we asked them about this and they're just like, Asian audiences use sunscreen so much because the darker you are within the Asian community, it shows what kind you, that means that you work outside. So you come from a, so, a low socioeconomic level job. So oh, it's related to working in agriculture. It means like it's yeah. Being dirty, you signify you're, you're poor, you work in the field. Exactly. So dirt. that's why like sunscreen is really big in like Filipino community. Sunscreen is really big. Like we were literally doing the research and like, obviously we're limited because like, it's sometimes hard to get down to the root of like Korean Japanese. Like there's so many levels to it. Right. But the big reason why they use it is because it's a socioeconomic factor behind it. Which even I just, I, even just the idea that working out in the field or being of a lower socioeconomic background is dirty. 
is crazy in my opinion uh so I'd agree I wanted to have this conversation because I think we're all minority women but I think it's important to be knowledgeable on the fact that this isn't only like a black and Hispanic community Latin American issue it's around the world and it stems from the white man trying to put us down all those years ago so before we cheers I just want to ask you all like personally have you had any issues um in terms of like any not issues but experiences in terms of like colorism where you felt like maybe you were prejudiced against like not I wouldn't say racist but like prejudiced against someone was being prejudiced against you because of the shade of your skin not particularly the shade of my skin but Vanessa said this earlier um I was forbidden to date anyone that was black and that just started a very long list so there was anyone that was black anyone that was anything else but Colombian and or and I quote my father better um and so that's my experience I acknowledge that I'm a lighter colored Hispanic so um right off the bat a lot of people don't really pick me off as a Hispanic unless I'm screaming at you or something um (laughs) or I have an attitude and these are my days during the summer because I get really pale in the winter Um, So personally, I have not uh, really had that. My mom is a trigueña. She's darker than I am. And she has some stories that she's experienced uh, colorism with. Um, But if you know my mother, she will never allow you to treat her any regard less than she deserves. For me, and I'm sure there are definitely people that can relate to this. So uh, my boyfriend is white. Um, as most of you know. And, you know, sometimes, although I grew up obviously in a very suburban area, but I have two immigrant parents and, you know, I was friends with all different types of people. So nothing ever kind of, I I never really experienced things like firsthand, or maybe I didn't really notice them, but, you know, ultimately when we started dating and then in certain areas, you know, sometimes it's, it's just the looks you get, like it can be as simple as a look. You know, we walk into places together and we just see people like give like I see people give us like the up down or give us like the look like look at him, look at me, look back at him kind of like and you know what you know they're saying in their head. They're just like, what what is he doing with her? Like, why, you know, are these two together? And it's predominantly, you know, older people that it just for some reason they can't wrap their mind around different, you know, races, ethnicities, what have you dating and being together and people just wanting to be with like who they want to be with. So, um, I, you know, will never say I've struggled with anything too, too hard or anything that I can, that like has really truly affected me like other people have, but you know, some things still kind of stay with you here and there, kind of like what Jeanette was saying, like you just in the back of your mind, you pick up on those things a lot more when you have an ethnic background. I would say my personal experiences for a colorism perspective are different than from a racism perspective. I think I've experienced 
I mean, I lived in Georgia for two years and that was enough for me. So I was good on that. That was good as fuck on that. So some places in Georgia aren't too bad, but still some places aren't too bad, but I was like Northern Atlanta, not the black Hollywood that we come to know and love. Um, so I've had different experience for that. I would say from a colorism perspective though, I've had, um, I, I personally know that I have a lot of privilege as a lighter skin. Like I said it before, as a lighter skin black girl, I know that there's a certain level of prejudice that even within the black community, um, darker skinned friends of mine have experienced that when they tell me stories, I'm like, what the fuck? Something that's common, something that's a common theme though, that I've experienced myself as well as, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. That when I was growing up, like in middle school, I thought that was a compliment. Like I'm ashamed now when I was in the sunken place, I was like, oh my God, I'm pretty for a black girl. Thank you so much. But that leads you to believe like when you're that's that also comes from like when you're younger, you don't know that like that's such a backhanded compliment. Like, why can't you just be pretty? Why do you have to be pretty for a black girl? I'll never forget this little white boy named Ben. He was like, oh my God, Jocelyn, you're so pretty for a black girl. And this girl that I was friends with, she was black Cuban, um, didn't even know she was Cuban for the longest time. I thought she was just black. She was like, don't ever let him say that to you again. You're not pretty for a black girl. You're just pretty. And don't ever let anyone disrespect you like that. And I was like, oh my God. And then I went home and told my mom, my mom's like, you were letting people get that off to you and say that to you. And I was like, yeah, I grew up in suburbia. I thought this was a compliment. And she's like, she was like, no, you dummy. That's not a compliment. So I didn't learn this until I was like 15, 16 years old. I just thought, oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so pretty. And now I know. Poor thing, my heart. I'm like, I didn't know any better. If I, I thought, ever hear anyone say that to you, my God, I would. I, I literally thought that it was a compliment and that you wouldn't believe how many black girls I've had this conversation with. And they thought the same thing. It wasn't until they were like older and got more educated or got around, especially if you grew up in suburbia, got around more black people or people who looked like them that they were like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, so, it's so fucked up. It's so fucked up, but we're back. We're not in the sunken place anymore. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have so many examples. Uh, I think I told Jocelyn a little bit. I uh, like right now I'm a little pale, but I like can get pretty dark. Um, so, I mean, I've definitely have had not as much family, but definitely more friends like Venezuelan friends or Colombian friends that like were out at the beach for like a trip or just out for the day and like will tell me like to go in the shade because I'm getting too dark so they're like you know you need to stop tanning like you don't look cute anymore like you need to go and like they told you you don't look cute anymore yeah they would tell me like you like like you don't look good like you need to go in the shade like stop tanning and I'm like horrible 
it's horrible and I remember and it's like ever since I was growing up and I remember this to the point where like one of my best friends from Venezuela like we were talking about it recently she's like I remember people telling you that and I remember that you would like love tanning like I would I like love getting dark dark like dark as fuck and I remember I would be upset because I'm like I want to keep tanning and they're like no you need to stop and so like it was just so messed up and like it didn't mean it's happened like even till the, like recently uh so I think that's like one example another example is like definitely have gotten comments about like you know you have to like I get mejorar la raza is like mm-hmm. what they tell you is like you have to like better the race so like the idea that I you know should be with like a white like blonde blue eye guy and marry them so the you know so we can I can be better uh and that's like also fucked up like all right like I you know and I think it's like yeah it's like very common and I feel like very common in Latin American culture to have that idea you know again like lighter skin lighter eyes is seen as better um, so I think those are the two like big examples that I can think of um, that have experienced that I've experienced. Oh, and other than and also in high school and in college, I've gotten like guys tell me like I'm too dark for them to date me. So, uh, oh, shit. yeah. So, yeah, that's like, yeah, it's like been pretty, pretty extensive, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I was because it's it to like Jeanette's point like there's a difference between being like Hispanic like someone that's Hispanic light lighter skin that like can be a white passing you know than someone like me who I'm like clearly darker like I don't I I look Latin American (laughs) or you know not from I don't look white uh so yeah (laughs) I've been followed in stores um I've been asked if I speak English um, in the first grade, my teacher told my mom that she should get rid of her accent before she goes to a PTA meeting. No. Yeah. Like I grew up in very predominantly, very predominantly white neighborhoods my entire life. So I, that's why, my mom, didn't mom to, that's why my mom didn't go to the PTA meeting. She said, uh, uh-uh, that's not safe for us. We've seen <laughs> and heard it all. I, I, I had someone say once that I have a taco face. Um, I've been told like terrible things about my skin color growing up. And then I remember in high school, like I went through like a very serious like identity crisis because I felt like I wasn't white enough. And I moved, I immigrated out of Venezuela when I was four. So I always consider myself, I'm like, I'm very American, like blah, blah, blah. Cause they get, give you that melting pot mentality that you're one of us. Right. And I remember in high school, I was like, I'm not white enough to be friends, like to fit in. But then it's like, I'm not dark enough to where I'm Latin American like where am I like what like I felt like I had the struggle of like who I am and what I identified was and I remember in like the summers I would avoid tanning because I was like I want to be as pale as possible and I remember I would be so like I would be so happy when someone would be like, oh, are you Italian? Are you Portuguese? Because in Canada, it's very much like a European type of, it's a very new country when it comes to immigration, right? So I remember being like, oh, are you Portuguese? Are you Italian? I'm like, oh my God, they think I'm European. Like, thank God. Like, they don't, they don't. It's so funny knowing who you are now because like you love to tan. And it was like one of those things that like, and I tell my mom this story now. And like, I actually, we had this conversation, I want to say like two, three weeks ago and she cried and she's like, I never know you felt this way. And I was like, mom, like in high school, I struggled a lot. And now I'm just like, no, this is me. Like, I love being brown. Like, if I can be in the sun all day, bruh, 
I love it. And I'm just like, I'm proud of where I'm from. Like, I'm proud of like the food, the music, like I'm proud of who I am. And one of my friends from high school, like we were talking about the Matt James, like the bachelorette and stuff like that. And we were talking about colorism and she was just like, did you ever experience anything in high school? And I was like, you were one of those people that would make comments to me. I called her out on it. And I was like, and I wasn't saying it in a way to like make her feel upset or anything, but I was like, I want you to be aware of what you used to do to me in high school. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I never like, and I was like, we were kids. We didn't know. There was a lot of ignorance and things that what Joanna was saying earlier, it's like you're conditioned to like, no, basically. Right. And I was like, no, this is growth because now we're having a conversation and now you're aware of like, these are not going to be the things you're going to sell in your kids and your grandkids one day. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a big Uh, problem. Oh, sorry. That makes me so sad. I'm good now. It's funny because like, I mean, obviously like we all grew up similar but different like parents of immigrants or immigrants ourselves or like in like predominantly white neighborhoods and I feel like I I grew up in Miami where like being Cuban was very much the majority and like I never really experienced anything I think the most I ever experienced was like I could tell that my mom was noticeably lighter than me but like it never made me feel any kind of way because like I thought I didn't look like her so I thought like I thought she was pretty so I thought I wasn't pretty but it wasn't because I was someone else was telling me that it was just like I thought my mom was just so pretty but all that made me think was like, okay, I look like my dad, but like, I didn't think that it was like a problem or anything like that. So I don't know. It's like really interesting to hear like how different I always say that, like, I'm so lucky that I grew up in Miami. Like I had no idea what racism was or like anything like that, because I was so like ignorant to any of that. Cause everybody was the same. Everybody was either Cuban or like, maybe you were Puerto Rican, maybe you were Colombian. But like when I was growing up, everyone in Miami was Cuban. And like, I feel like it was a good thing for me at the time and like as I'm growing up I'm noticing like people's experiences are so different it could be super harmful like I could be like okay like Hispanics don't suffer in this country because I didn't suffer but it's like really interesting to hear like and like kind of sad (laughs) to hear what you guys like have gone through growing up like it makes me that much more grateful that I grew up in a city where like I didn't have to deal with it um but hearing your experiences like it's a testament like you should be talking about this because now I know like when I grow up like it's looking like I'm living my life in Orlando and although the United States are becoming more and more diverse, like I'm sure my kids are going to have to deal with it. Like they're going to be half white, half Hispanic. And I'm going to have to tell them like, you know, dad's from here, but I'm from here and like, that's okay. And so it's definitely made me more aware. All right, ladies. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you all so much for participating. I feel like we've learned a lot. Joe has shared some great gems. I've hit y'all with the stats and fun facts. So that maybe weren't so fun, but I mean, they're still facts. So there we go. Let's move into cheers. Starting off with Amanda, what would you like to cheers to this week? I am choosing, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm choosing a family. I have an uncle in town right now that I haven't seen in a couple of years. My grandmother and my aunt and my brother are coming and I haven't seen them in a while. So it's just going to be a weekend week full of family. It's like super stressful because I have to like clean in between guests and like wash sheets and make sure everybody has like a premium experience at Hotel Herrera. But I'm like, I love to do it. It's literally like gives me life. So cheersing to them. I'm cheersing to being on a plane tomorrow. You bitches out. I'm going international. Mrs. 305. Um, I will be in Costa Rica on the beach. So Wow. I didn't know you were going to Costa Rica, Nat. How fun. Yeah, I honest to God forgot. This is like a family trip. And then my brother texted me my tickets two days ago and was like, bitch, you pay me, pay me back. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. I got to pack. 
So yes, I have a, I have to, I will be at the airport in a short amount of hours, 6 a.m. So that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Cheers to that. Cheers. Um, I'm cheersing to it being May because my birthday's in two weeks and Woo! you know, and I'm shallow like that. So cheers. Gonna get thotty for Vanessa's B Day. A thotty toddies. A I'm gonna cheers to people of color. Ooh, let's stay on topic. Cheers to everybody out there. I will cheers to warm weather and to finally getting some nice sun and be able to go out here in New York City and hopefully have a fun summer. So cheers to that. Yes, cheers to that because I will be thawing and boffing all over this city, Joe. You'll see me in these streets and I'm going to cheers to that too because the streets are calling my name. Thank you so much, gossipers, for listening to another episode of Gossipin', the podcast where we gossip while we sip. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gospin Podcast and tune into the new episodes or binge old ones on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, or Audible. We'll see you next week. Ciao. Bye. 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 Bye.